Welcome, Kathy, to the Fempreneur Podcast. Thank you so much for hopping on the show. I'm so excited to interview you. Thanks so much for having me, Lindsay. This is uh, what an honor to be able to uh, come on, uh, you know, your podcast show and and chat and talk. I know that we met at We Do, and I felt a connection. And when you asked me to do this, I said absolutely. So I'm finally glad that the day is here and that we can uh, finally have a chat. Yes, and you are so um, you know experienced with this sort of thing because of what you do for a living. So tell our audience about yourself. What do you do? Uh, I know you're on maternity leave right now, so fill us in on kind of just your career. Yeah, for sure. And you're right about maternity leave. So it's a bit of an adjustment for me. I have a new boss. That's what I always like to say. And he's very high maintenance and demanding. (laughs) But um, outside of my maternity leave, I am a TV reporter and anchor. And I've been doing it for 15 plus years. Uh, there's quite a backstory to how I got into it. We can get into it if we have some time, but it is it has always been a dream of mine to be a TV broadcaster, journalist. And so I'm actually doing what I've always wanted to do, which is amazing to be able to get up every day and do the thing that you love. You know what I mean? Outside of journalism and and the TV world, I also emcee and I keynote as well. And it's really interesting because I used to be this incredibly shy introverted. I'm still introverted. I am, if you can believe it or not, but very, very shy, not a huge public speaker. So this evolution of emceeing and keynoting has just happened organically over the span of my career. So um, it's been a pleasant surprise and something that I really enjoy doing. And that's where I met you at WeDo because I was one of the keynote speakers there. So yeah, so in a nutshell, that's that's what I do. And we can delve into more of it if you want to, depending how deep you want to go and what else you want to talk about. But that's that's what I do. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I do want to get into that. I'm curious to know, um, (laughs) excuse me, when you were first invited to speak and I guess maybe how that just came about and your reaction to that and what it was like to be up on stage public speaking for the first time. So the very first time that I had ever graced the stage in a public speaker capacity was 2000 and oh man 10 I think um so a while ago and so part of my job is to MC. um we don't have to do it but I felt like I needed to do it to get better at this skill Uh, it's very different from being an anchor on television or being a reporter on television and then being on stage in front of a live audience. It's a very different dynamic. And I don't know if people realize that because some people might just automatically assume that, oh, well, she's on TV. She totally can do it. No, no, no. <laughs> it's completely different. I was working in my very first market in Lloydminster and I had just started, no, I was actually still a student doing an internship. So it was an unpaid internship. I was still, um, yeah, a student. And one of the community members had asked me to MC an event and I had never done it before. And I was terrified. And my initial reaction was just to say no. But I feel like at that point in my life, I I felt like if there's anything that you are really scared of, especially if you're really, really, really scared of it, whether it brings more opportunities or where you whether you know where it's going to lead you, you have to say yes. You know, you have to say yes. 
And that's sort of where everything started. You know what I mean? Even getting into the TV industry, incredibly intimidating, incredibly competitive. You don't know if you're going to succeed, you know, in, 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 in this craft, but I, I felt like if you're scared of it, then you have to give it a try. Cause I'd rather try and fail than never try at all. And then wonder for the rest of my life, what if, you know? And so that's sort of what happened with my career and also with the speaking. So I got on stage. I remember I was holding onto the podium on the sides and I was just shaking. I was so scared. And, um, you know, I, I tried to memorize my script as best as I could, just in case I blanked out. But I, I remember my uh, my partner at that time, who's now my my husband. He he and I were just seeing each other at that time, so he actually came to my very first. Like he was there at the very beginning, and I just remember looking at him and just trying to focus on him so that I wouldn't, you know, panic or or, or any of those things that can happen when you're in front of people. So mm-hmm. that was, and I, as you as you can tell, I, I will never forget that moment. You're making me go back in time now and kind of reliving what that was like. You know what I mean? But. That's that's what it was, and uh, it was a really great organization. And what was really awesome about it, um, they the organization raises money to support people and families who have physical and mental disabilities. Try to find work, try to get integrated into society. So I I always love to support organizations that better the community, that help, you know, those that need it. And after that event, I must have done okay because they asked me to come back the next year. And then as I moved up and I moved out of my very first market and moved to bigger television markets, the organization is I think across the country has various different chapters. Once I moved to Saskatoon, they were like, hey, can you can you be our MC? And then as I moved to Calgary, they, they just kind of followed me along. So I was able to stick with them for many, many, many years, actually. Cool. And yeah, you mentioned we do a couple times. So for those um, listening or watching that don't know what that is, it stands for Women's Entrepreneur Day organization, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So they do these really cool events um, across the country. Um, and they kind of, I think, focus those events on Women's Entrepreneur Day. Yeah. Yeah. That one day of the year. And so, yeah. So I had been to a virtual event that they hosted during COVID. And then I had the, the pleasure of going to a live event and meeting Kathy and seeing her uh, do her amazing, amazing job of talking to this room full of women. And I knew I just had to have her on the podcast. So I want to dive into some of the things I heard you share that day. And so I want to ask you about your parents and I want to ask you to share a bit of their story and, you know, them coming to Canada and how that looked for them. And then um, some of the things that they taught you at a young age that you have, uh, you know, that you have adopted into your life. Of course, when I was crafting together this keynote, I I, I changed the opening so many different times because I, I really wanted it to make sense with my story, but be impactful as well. As you know, when you only have a, a certain amount of time, you want to maximize every second that you can and make sure that you are giving value to whoever is listening or watching you with every nugget of information that you give. And I thought, okay, if we're talking about resilience, because that was the theme of, of, of we do this year, I thought, okay, who else better? Um, you know, who, 
the, the two people in my life that I know without a doubt that embody resilience are my parents, mm-hmm. you know, and, and based on my upbringing and their story and it really shaped who I was. So it really created a, a, a wonderful foundation to help people understand why I am the way that I am, you know? And so in a nutshell, my parents were refugees from Vietnam. I mean, we can go deep dive into their story completely. And in fact, one of my goals is to produce a documentary on, you know, their story one day, because that's also what I do at CTV. I've produced five documentaries so far, and I love doing it. I love the long format storytelling. And um, yeah, so I'd love to do that one day. But today, for the sake of the timing that we have, both my parents, they escaped the Vietnam War separately and they both have their own separate stories. So my dad was in the Air Force fighting for the Southern Vietnamese side. So without getting into too much of the detail, it was basically a civil war, the North against the South. My dad fought for the South. And um, he, he, after they lost the war, he was captured and was a prisoner of war and stayed in this torturous camp for 18 months before they suddenly released him. And it's really interesting because I don't think he, no, I know for sure he hasn't told us the entire story because I don't, I don't know if he wants to go there. And also does he really want to delve into such horrific inhumane treatment and torture? You know what I mean? And and the same goes for my mom. Like she will talk, you know, share little bits and pieces of what she's experienced too. But again, there's only so much that they would, you know, go into with us. But I know enough to understand that it was a really, it's something that a lot of us will never have to go through, thankfully. Yeah. Um, so my dad was, you know, he was in the Air Force. He was a prisoner of war. He was finally released. And then he came to Canada. My mom was only 19. So a baby, basically, and she escaped the war by boat after the South lost. And again, it, it life or death. Like I remember saying in my talk, she didn't know whether she was going to live another minute or die the next minute. It was just the straddling the line between life and death. Mm-hmm. You know, and at 19 years old, at 19 years old, and having to go through all that. So mm-hmm. she ended up in Kuala Lumpur ended up in a refugee camp, then the Canadian government sponsored her over, and then my parents met in um, Canada, and then they kind of started their journey there. But there's one piece that I actually left out of the keynote, I, for the timing purposes, I, I even though my parents told me their story as I was growing up, and it really, like I said, it molded who I am today, I, I really didn't understand the magnitude of just how young, especially my mom, like how young she was and what she had gone through until I took a trip to Vietnam in 2004 with her. And it was my very first trip outside of Canada. And and we went to Vietnam, which is if, if anyone's ever been to Asia, it's a culture shock. Like you feel like you have taken off into space and landed on a completely different planet. And this was in 04. Okay. It's modernized a bit more now, but we're talking, it's, it's a developing country. And I, I remember struggling so much adapting to the heat, the food. I got sick, just the crowdedness, the noise, it's dirty. I mean, it is, it's it's a reality of not all parts of the country, but yes, very much. The standards are not like here, right? In Canada. Mm -hmm. 
And I remember two weeks in, I just so badly wanted to go home. I thought I was suffering. <laughs> How privileged am I? You know what I mean? And I remember, I remember being on a boat, a tour boat, and we were on the Mekong Delta. And I remember looking out into the horizon and all I could see was this lush green jungle. And I remember looking at the water because it was so dirty. It was muddy, right? And my mom comes up to me and I'm having a moment, right? I'm just, I'm just reflecting on how hard my life is. And my mom comes up to me and she goes, so you see the horizon? Do you see all that lush green? I'm like, yeah. She goes, that was the last thing that I saw. As my rickety boat left the shores of Vietnam, and I never knew when I would see my family again. This was the last thing that I saw. Wow. And guess how old I was on that trip when she told me that? I was 19. Okay. I was the same age as my mom when she left. And it was just one of those moments where I went, oh my, okay, wow. Like Kathy you need to buck up because because you are soft like this you know what i mean yeah. you think you're suffering imagine being the same age you are right now and seeing this but you are escaping a war and you have no idea if you're going to live or if you're going to die do you know what i mean and it was that moment that i think was was the real moment that i understood just how resilient the both of them you know, are. And I think that's what I carry with myself all the time when I go through challenging things in my life. Mm -hmm. and, and as you know, I, I did talk, you know, at length about some of the challenging things that I had gone through, especially mm -hmm. this year. Right. And I, I think about that, right. I talk about your resilient role models, you know, use them not to compare yourself to them because everybody's suffering is very personal and everybody's suffering is very real right? It's just about using other people to help lift you up, you know, using all the resources that you can to try to get you out of that dark space, whatever that dark space may be, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, your parents just sound like the most incredible, brave people. I would, I would love to interview each of them separately. <laughs> I think that they just sound like just, yeah, incredible, incredible people. You know, all these people that have come to Canada through really dire circumstances. Um, and the work that you do in creating documentaries is just, it's so valuable that, to get these stories out there. So I look forward to watching some of these ones that you've already produced and seeing what else you create in your career. I think that's so exciting and what a skill set to have. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you'd always wanted to be on the news and reporting and sharing people's stories and stuff. Like what yeah. age did that start? Like how did, when did you first have that vision for your life? So I'll tell you, um, my career has evolved and we'll get into that in a second, just in terms of like getting into documentaries, because the documentary part was not the thing that I wanted to do at the very start. The documentary thing happened over the last seven years, I think. And then I realized I'm actually very good at, I good at it, you know, and I enjoy it. But I actually knew that I wanted to be on TV. That's how I pitched it to my parents. <laughs> When I was 17 years old, um, I knew early on I loved to tell stories. I think that's what drew me to the career. It wasn't so much like, oh, I want to be on TV. It was more, I want to tell stories. I want to, you know, talk about the things that happen. I want to share things because, you know, throughout my entire life, I, I guess I was very artistic. I am like incredibly artistic outside of, you know, the work side of it. You know, I was a 
competitive figure skater, competitive pianist. So I've always been on some sort of platform expressing myself in some way. And I think that that's maybe that's where that came from, the desire to share something or talk about something. And I, you know, being, <laughs> this is going to sound very stereotypical, but my parents wanted me to be a doctor. <laughs> It's very stereotypical of, of Asian families. And and I, I don't think, I think now I could be a doctor if I wanted to, but I think back then it just wasn't something that I was interested in. And I think just having my parents really push it on me really turned me off of it, you know? And, and so that's something that I'm trying to keep in mind as I'm raising my own son is to just help him and assist him in learning and discovering what he wants to do, right? Because I'm living proof that if... If, if if you love it, you will do whatever it takes to make it work. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? And the joy that I have actually doing what I love now is something that's very rare. Mm -hmm. But yeah, 17, I finally had the courage to tell my parents, this is what I want to do. Mm -hmm. But the way that I said it was, I want to be on television. So they're like, <laughs> what? You're the firstborn. Uh, we escaped the war to make all these sacrifices for you to just want to be on TV. What, what, are you, what are you talking about? What is this? And um, I was already in university doing my science degree uh, on my way to become a med student. And it just, I, my heart wasn't in it. I just knew it just, I don't know if, if you feel this or if anybody who's watching feels this, but I just had this, this, gnawing inside me that this is what you're meant to do. It's just this voice, this feeling that I could not ignore. And I don't know how to describe it, but it was just, it just was it consuming is, is the right way to put it. And, um, and so I told them and, and they were not happy about it, but eventually I, um, I remember I, instead of, instead of, being a doctor and going into med school, they were just happy about me going into, you know, any kind of medical field. So at that time, a lot of my friends were doing optometry school. So I thought, hey, why don't I, why don't I try the optometry aptitude test? And, you know, all my score, you know, my grades are good and this and that. And, but I was at that time, I was working at the University of Alberta in a lab and I was doing research. And I remember these two wonderful women who really saw in me something that would that was not fitting for the for what I was doing there, which was research, right? And they, they're just like, you know, life is too short. You should do what you love. You should do what you want. But what people don't understand is the pressure, you know, the pressure of being the firstborn, the pressure of not disappointing your family. There's a cultural pressure as well. Like there's just so much that unless you walk a day or a life in my shoes or you come from a background where it's the same um, for you, then you won't understand. It's not as easy as I'm just going to do whatever I want. There's just so much riding on that, right? And so to say that you're not going to do what your parents want you to do is incredibly scary. It is not something that a lot of... Asian people, and I'm not just talking Asians, there, there's a lot of other people of different ethnic background out there who can probably relate to what I'm saying, but I'm specifically talking about, about, about my culture because there's a lot of people, a lot of my friends who feel the exact same way. And there's a lot of them that just pursued what their parents wanted them to because 
they just would rather make their life easier and be miserable and, you know, please their parents than to go do what they wanted to do. So I, I remember taking that leap. I, I, I enrolled myself into a broadcasting school and I didn't tell my parents. And I remember it was around August, September or no, August, July, when I got my acceptance letter and I didn't know what I was going to do, but I was like, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna go, I guess, leave the house. Cause I was still living at home at the time. I'm just going to leave the house and go to school and not tell my parents. Well, they knew what was going on. Cause obviously your parents always know what's going on. Even if you don't know, right? They always do. And I remember, I think I was out somewhere. My mom goes, you need to come home. We need to talk about something. And then, so we did came home and she basically laid it all out. She goes, we know what you're doing. We, we know. So here's the thing for you to go behind our back and to do this means you must really want this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I do. And so what we did was we struck a deal. It's like negotiating with them. They went, okay, you have four years. You have four years to make it in this industry. And when they say make it to them, being successful was being on television, right? You have four years to do this. And if you don't, you come home and you do what we want you to do. Get it out of your system. Okay. Wow. So I remember, yeah, I remember sitting there and I was like, okay, let's bring it on. Let's do this. So <laughs> it wasn't, it wasn't just for me. I went, oh my goodness, I cannot go home with my tail between my legs and saying this did not work out. It has to work out. And you know what? Obviously it has. I, I've never, I haven't looked back. You know what I mean? But I, I hope that, and I told my siblings, I'm like, this isn't to say that you should, or anybody else to go against what your parents are saying or what they want from you, because all they want is the best. All I'm saying is if you do what you love, it will somehow work out. It just will, but you, you obviously got to put the work in and boy, did I put the work in, I put the work in, you put the work in, but you have the passion and you figure out a way when you feel like there is no way it will work out the way that it's supposed to. And it certainly has for me in one of the most competitive industries that continues to shrink every single day. You know what I mean? So that's how, that's how that all started, you know? Um, Yeah. That's awesome. And then when did the first opportunity um, come into your world for, for documentary work? When, how did that arise? It was actually, so when I first got into the industry, even though I was doing breaking news, hard news, I really loved entertainment at that time. I just loved the allure of celebrities and being on the red carpet and just dressing up. And I just, I, I, for some reason I was drawn to it. And that was my focus for the first part of my career while still doing hard news. So that hard news has always been my bread and butter. Mm-hmm. The other stuff was just extra. Then it was in 2016. I covered a lot of entertainment that year because the Junos came to Calgary and that was an unreal experience, like just covering the Junos, being on the red carpet, mm-hmm. being next to eTalk. And then after that opportunity, then I got an opportunity with eTalk to do a stint on their show um, for for one of the musical events. So that was really cool. But then, you know, after a while I went, okay, something is still missing, you know, like something is still missing. What's happening here? You know, this, I thought this is what I always wanted to do, but something is still missing. What is it? And I think for me, the biggest thing that I've always said to myself is no matter what you do, have it fulfill like in here, like make it 
so that when you go to bed at night, you feel like you've done something to help somebody else. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so for me in 2016, I went, this was a huge left turn in my career. I went from entertainment to documentaries mm-hmm. and I, I didn't always think that I, I, yeah, it wasn't always something that was at the top of my mind, but there were some veteran reporters at my station who had done documentaries before. And I thought, you know, I want to give it a try. Why not? And so I did my very first one in 2017. The very first one was on the Syrian refugee crisis. And the reason that was chosen was not only because it was the biggest story of the year, but I really felt an attachment to that because of what my parents had been through. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Mm -hmm. I can tell the story differently because I know and I could feel, especially with the young kids coming in, just a second chance at life for you. I was born here, but still, if my parents had never made it here, I don't know what my life would be right now. Mm -hmm. But for especially the children coming here, I'm going, you, you can have a new life and follow your dreams like me. You know what I mean? And so that was my very first one. So I tried my very first documentary in 2017. And then I never looked back after that. It was improving, improving. And then I went to a conference in the United States. I learned how to do it better. And every, every documentary after that improved, 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 improved. And it, yeah, it was uh, five documentaries later. It's, it's, and so I'm going, okay, this is, this is definitely, this is definitely what I was meant to do. And that's the, the interesting thing about life is you have your goals, but also don't forget to make room for the things that you never expect would happen. And then you realize it later, you're like, wow, okay, maybe I'm meant to do this. So um, yeah, documentaries give me a chance to dive deeper into the story. And I, I really love investigative. So my last documentary was really heavily investigative um, into the EMS system in Alberta. It's a lot of work. These projects are, it's not for the faint of heart, but I knew I had to do it because you're looking at uncovering things that the public should know about a system that is meant to help save your life. You know what I mean? At one point I may need this service, right? Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so that is what I'm talking about when I say a service to others. How do you help others in whatever that you're doing? And this was such a beautiful meld of journalism, broadcasting, my dream and then being able to to do to do that thing to help others not to say that our day-to-day news doesn't it does but this is just a different capacity because you could really dig deep into those stories and offer more information to the public cool okay so now i'd like you to share more about becoming a mother as a career woman and i mean i think a lot of women really downplay how difficult it is, especially after having such a, such a well-established career and having, you know, your life the way it was and adding a baby to the mix. Like I was one of those people that had a baby kind of by accident when I was 24. So I didn't really have, (laughs) I didn't have anything kind of, you know, going on. I was like, all right, I guess we're doing this now. And that's cool. And (laughs) you like had a baby in, you know, in the spotlight in front of, you know, tens of thousands of people. And you were critiqued harshly and you heard some pretty nasty stuff um, from some of the viewers. Um, So tell us about that. I mean, 
I love how real and raw you are with your stories and just yeah. how you really lay it out there. And I think women um, are often too shy to just tell it like it is the way mm-hmm. you do. So I'm really excited for you to share this stuff. Yeah. And you know what? That goes with sharing my postpartum story too at the We Do conference. Mm-hmm. I, I remember thinking, okay, what should I share? Because sometimes you're right. Women feel like, ooh, I don't want to be so vulnerable. I don't want to be too transparent. And I'm very much like that too. Because like even on my social media, I'm very, I curate, you know, very carefully what I'm going to put out, but I felt the space that we do was an opportune time to just be real because that's what this is all about. Then what, what am I doing up there faking it? Like everything's okay because it's not, you know what I mean? And, um, so yeah, just touching really quick on, on the hate. I, I mean, I've received hate mail, especially when I joined the weekend show, and I had my my show with with my former co-anchor. That's who I started out with. You know, it was really difficult because it was relentless and it was all the time to the point where we sort of had to start joking about it just to make light of the situation. Mm-hmm. Um, what I mean by that is like if let's say, I don't know, I said something let's say I didn't get any hate mail, but we joke about it anyway. Oh, let's just wait. Let's see how long it takes for the hate mail to start coming in. You know what I mean? For Kathy specifically, or if somebody else said something that was like, oh, they're going to drag Kathy anyway, <laughs> because that's just, she's just easy to hate, you know? And um, so I got that almost right away when I started anchoring and my co-anchor didn't get like hardly any, you know, and it was really just me. And from, from how I spoke to how I presented to how I looked to just their disdain and hate for me, just existing as a human being, I got everything to the point where there, I remember coming back from my honeymoon in 2019. And I remember, and I wasn't even thinking about this at all. It was just something that I just, I think subconsciously I had in my mind because of the criticism that I constantly got. I remember going to my husband, should I wear this? This is a really, I love this shirt, but I feel like I'm going to get hate if I wear this. What if I wore this? And I remember him going, okay, stop. Who bleeping cares is what yeah. he said. Yeah. Who cares? F them. Just wear yeah. what you want. And I was like, on this podcast, by the way. Oh, oh, we can. Okay. <laughs> he was like, fuck it. Wear whatever you want. Who cares what they say? And I was like, yeah, okay. No, you're right. I just, I needed that reminder and I'm going to need it from time to time. You're right. You're right. You're right. Bring it on. Let's go. Right. Um, then when I got pregnant, oh, it was a, it was an entirely different story. I mean, I think I got used to the criticism at my best and I'm talking like looking great, feeling great. As you know, not all women, but you know, some women, um, pregnancy isn't the greatest experience and it really wasn't for me. I was swollen from 20 weeks on. I, I was really, I was really big. Like I looked like I was going to give birth to twins. Like it's just the way that my body reacted. So I couldn't hide it. I couldn't hide it very long. And I got, I got, I got a number of, of, you know, very negative emails, but this one in particular, this man was like, um, uh, to the heavily pregnant women on, on television, uh, we only tolerate them up to four months, like literally just begging for my station to take me off air, you know? And here's the thing. If I was feeling my best and looking my best, I'd be like, but I was feeling so incredibly vulnerable at that time. Just the swelling. I ended up in the hospital part way because of high blood pressure, not being able to fit into my clothes, not finding anything that could fit me 
or if it did fit me, the other challenge of being in such a public career, I needed to find something that looked decent and I was running out of clothes to wear. And what am I going to do? Do you know how expensive maternity clothes is? Right. I'm not going to go out there and spend thousands of dollars on maternity clothes that I may not use again, you know, and it's just, so there's that part of it. And I just, so I tried my best to have certain pieces, but that's the thing. I'm like, <laughs> me just getting out of bed today was hard enough. Me trying to find something to wear to look half decent on air was hard enough. Me, you know, being forgetful or feeling sick or whatever, whatever, that's hard enough. And now I have to come to work and then I get this note and I'm going, okay, I just, I'm done. Like I'm just this, the, everyone is so mean. And, and not just that, but during COVID, so the year before, you know, media was uh, a target, you know, for, I'm talking the most vile hate that I had ever received in my entire life. I had to get off Twitter because when it was Twitter at that time, it was just too much. Yeah. You know, so when it's coming at you all the time like this, and then you get pregnant, and then it's all these other challenges, and then it's like, Andrew goes, you look fat and horrible. Get off, you know, and I'm like, okay, I, it's enough. You know, like that, that's enough. And I don't think people see this side of what we do because all mm -hmm. they see this person who's like, Hey, good morning. You know, good evening. Thanks for joining us. And you know, you don't, you don't think about, Hey, that person has feelings too. Mm -hmm. Hey, uh, what else has happened? You know, it adds up, you know? And so that was really tough. But I, like I said, in my, in my talk, I decided I wasn't going to let that get to me because I had, I was not going to live in a world where women were shamed for populating the earth. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Right, Andrew. Someone brought you into Andrew is a guy who. I yeah, can't Andrew. If your mom saw that you just put this email into the CTV, you know, feedback form, she would be appalled and absolutely. embarrassed that you're her child. It, absolutely right. So that's why I'm like, hey, I'm just bringing women <laughs> into this world, and 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 why am I being shamed about it? Because women are being shamed all the time. Yeah. for how they look, for how they dress, for how they talk. And then now I'm creating life and now it's still, you know, grounds to say, Hey, you're too fat. You're too this, you're too, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, when is it ever going to stop? And I thought, you know what, I'm, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to show up mm -hmm. every single day, not just on television, but all my speaking engagements too. I don't care how big I get, even though I feel incredibly uncomfortable, I I'm still going to show up because I want people to see me. That's the thing. I want people to see me not because I'm like, oh, everyone look at me. I hated it. I want people to see me because I want other women to say, look at her, mm -hmm. look at her go, look how big she is, but she is still doing it. And not just that, I was still hiking. I remember people, you know, on the mountain going, whoa, but in like, oh my God, good for you. Obviously I was cleared by the doctor. You want to be safe when you do that. But yeah, you know, on a mountain, at work, on stage, um, I was at the We Do conference last year, emceeing it, and I was in November. It was in November, so at the very end of my pregnancy, and I I could bear I barely made it. It's just hard for me to just walk from one end of the stage to the next without feeling completely out of breath. You know what I mean? But I did it anyway. I did it, and I wanted the young girl who is still starting out her career to know that hey, you know, your life isn't over after or while you're pregnant or after you have a baby it's mm -hmm. just about 
figuring out a new path to make everything work. So to your other question, you know, yes, I am now navigating a very different time in my life because I'm at the peak of my career. I will say, well, I was on maternity leave. That was a peak of my career because I won the biggest award that I had ever won in my entire life for my project, would made, which made me go, oh, this is awesome, right? Because I could, I could have both. I could have a baby and I could still win an award. Like this is this is what I've always wanted. I, I so badly want for myself and to show other women that you can have both. You can have a career and you can have children because we can do it all. But it's not about, my friend actually said this the other day and it really resonated with me. It doesn't mean that you can, sometimes you can have it all at once, but sometimes it might not be all at once and it's okay. But as long yeah. as you keep your eye on the end goal, you eventually could have it all at once. And I was like, oh, that's a good, that's a good one. Cause sometimes I'm just like everyone else. You sort of get into your head and you, you start to wonder, you start to doubt yourself. Right. But, um, yeah. So now that I'm at home, I did. I did have reservations about taking a really long maternity leave, but I thought, you know what? I'm all in. This is my, I called, I called my baby, my project B while I was at work. I'm like, this is my project that I'm working on right now. So I'm going to focus all my energy on my project. And then I'm going to figure out how to have him in my life while I continue on with my career. And I will say a lot of it has to do with, um, just, yes, um, you know, yeah, would I like to stay home with him until he's old enough to go to kindergarten? Absolutely. That's not going to happen, though, for me. You know what I mean? For women where it can happen, great. But not all women can do that. I yeah. have to go back to work. Yeah. You know, so he's going to have to go to daycare. Yeah. Right. And so there are things that have to change. You're going to have to make certain sacrifices. You're not going to get absolutely everything that you want. But if you keep your eyes on the big prize, I'm a firm believer that everything will eventually fall into place and you can have both. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And you told a lot more of the story about some health, some health challenges you had after giving birth to your son that were um, just heart wrenching, really, to hear wow. you share that stuff. Like, holy cow! Um, <laughs> I don't know if you want to get into a little bit of that. I think it would be helpful for um, just bolstering, you know, the message of you know, women really can do it all, but they can't necessarily have it all at, at once. And sometimes things get thrown in our path when we already feel like we can't take anything else on and you, you cope, you figure it out, you get help. I, one thing I loved about um, you sharing about um, these health challenges that you've had since having your son was that the people that you reached out to and asked for help and the different, um, I guess just the different people that have helped you through it. And so I think a lot of women suffer in silence and they feel alone and they allow themselves to stay there whether it be because they're having like true me mental health mm -hmm. um, challenges from the physical, you know, challenges or w why it is that they stay in that dark place of, of suffering in silence. I don't know, but I, I wanted you to share a bit about just the last year of sure. your life to inspire women to, to get help if they're feeling like that. So yeah, share that with us. Yeah, absolutely. Lindsay. And I will say, and I always want to go through life with a positive outlook and say, you know, let's not, let's not live so um, cautiously because we're scared of the bad things that could happen. It's going to happen no matter what you do. 
but let's hope it doesn't. But then if it does, okay, how do you deal with that bad thing in that moment? Because there's so many bad things that can happen in the world. And especially me being in the news and being, you know, the person that tells those stories, I'm very aware of what could happen. But at the same time, you never think that it could happen to you. And so with my postpartum, I mean, I had a tough pregnancy, like you said, and then just, I never would have imagined how difficult it would have been. I thought, okay, I'm going to have to lose all this baby weight. You know, yes, I had an emergency C-section, so I'm going to have to give that six weeks to heal. It does not heal in six weeks. I don't know who said that, but that is not true. Okay. Um, so I'm going to lay that straight. And there's a lot of things I learned just about the gap in women's health during my, my journey. And it's, I'm appalled actually. So I'm thinking, could be something that I look into in a future project, right? Because I am like, this is absolutely unacceptable. Yeah. But um, yeah, the health challenges that I had immediately started right after I had my son. Um, I broke out into, and I didn't, I didn't share this at We Do, so I'm going to share with with you now. Mm -hmm. I broke out into into a massive rash. Like we're talking hives all over my body, everywhere, and my feet were blistering and pussing. That's how bad it was. Within yeah. 24 hours of having him, itching everywhere as I am trying to figure out this this new baby in the hospital and everything right and um anyway i ended up leaving the hospital within i think it was two days only to be readmitted back into the hospital within 24 hours because the community nurses were so worried for my health not even because you know you see a community nurse within mm -hmm. 24 hours of giving birth so they could check your son they took one look at them they look at him and they're like oh he's great but like we're looking at you like what's going on with you and mm -hmm. you know like Here's, you know, as women, when we're going through that, especially early, like really early postpartum, like you're not thinking straight, like you're not, you're just, you know, like would I have let myself walk out of that hospital if I was completely sound and healthy? No. But in that moment, I'm like, sure, I guess I'm going to go. And then I'm going to go like, no, like, and I look back and I'm like, my God, you know, like so many things that you should not have done. Not me. I'm, I don't want to blame me, but I'm just saying. Well, yeah. When medical professionals are giving you the okay to leave, you kind of want to trust that they know what they're doing. That's what I mean. And especially and when their job. <laughs> exactly. And when you feel vulnerable, you don't want to be the person because you're like, I don't know, maybe they know, yeah. what's going on, you know, things like that. Right. Yeah. So there's a lot of things that, you know, and if, if, if anybody is listening to this or watching this and they, they've ever been in that situation, just know that like, don't blame yourself. It, it's just, you are in a different state of mind that you cannot, you can't control it. Right. And you can't blame yourself. And so um, I ended up being readmitted um, only to then go to a dermatologist who had to do a biopsy right in the clinic to figure out what was going on with me. And then they did. And then I was on medication. It went away within two weeks, only then to come back in five weeks, 10 times worse. And so here I am trying to deal with my C-section scar, the rash, like breastfeeding my baby, trying to figure that out up in the more like three consecutive days. I remember just like scratching, like in, in the bathroom and I'm going, okay, I'm losing it. And, and it was, it was tough. So I dealt a lot with like mental health issues at the very beginning too. It was like just despair. It was just, you know, and I, I don't want to get too much into that, but there was a lot going on at the very beginning. And I, I remember looking at like all these pictures of all these other women on social media with their beautiful baby, you know, like, <laughs> is happening to me <laughs> like this is not this is not this is not even close you know what I mean this is not even a smidgen of what that what I thought this would look like or what people have painted the picture of what new motherhood looks like I'm like this is not it so um but it's really interesting because even after all that the worst was still to come like the worst was still to come 
And that's when I, I talked about the diastasis recti at, mm -hmm. at the conference. And I remember when I asked the audience, you know, who's heard of it, a, a number of women did put up their hand. So that's, this is the thing that boggles my mind is DR is common. It's common. A lot of I women don't that raised the hand. I didn't, I had no idea about this until I heard your story. Totally. And then the women who actually find out or know about it, it's because they probably had it. And then they only learned about it after they had it. Otherwise we're like, what is this? What made my case rare was just how severe it was, you know, because again, a DR, just so people understand, it's just your baby makes you, you expand your, uh, the tissue that connects your six pack together, right? Right in the middle of your stomach. Mm -hmm. So it makes space so when the baby expands, this stretches out. But what, what should happen after you have your baby is that the tissue comes together and then you're fine. With some women, though, the tissue doesn't completely come together and it leaves a gap in your stomach. Now, the gap can be just this wide. The gap can be this wide. You know, so mine was massive and two finger, two knuckles deep, right? Two knuckles deep. Mm -hmm. So you actually could. So when I went to a physical, a floor, a physical um, pelvic floor therapist, I, which I had to find on my own, <laughs> um, she literally stuck her entire hand right into the middle of my stomach. I saw it disappear. I'm like, oh, what is happening here? You know, and the reason I ended up going to get a diagnosis, which I had to advocate for and fight for is because of the health issues that I started experiencing that were not normal. Mm -hmm. I was sitting there three weeks postpartum, or sorry, three months, three months. That's 12 weeks after having a baby. Most of my friends were going back to their normal lives, normal mm -hmm. lives. Mm -hmm. I still could not walk properly. I still could not get on, on the floor, like down on the floor, up off the floor. I couldn't sit down on a couch and hold my baby on my like to breastfeed. I couldn't do that. I had to, I had to breastfeed him. Our entire breastfeeding journey was me standing up. I had to hold him standing up because I could not sit down. Cause every time I sat down, there was pressure on my stomach. But, but the biggest sign that I knew something was wrong was every time I got up and out of bed, it felt like my guts, like my intestines were spilling out of my stomach. And I literally had to scoop my stomach and hold it in. I know I'm like, that's like, that can't be normal. Like what is happening to me? You know? And I remember going to healthcare professionals, asking my friends, everyone's like, oh, you know, like one, one, they're either like, okay, we don't know what's going on with you or two. Oh, it's early on. Just give yourself some grace. Just, you know, don't worry. We know how you are, Kathy. You're a go-getter. So just, you know, but I'm like, Hey, no, I'm not talking about the weight. I am talking about something is wrong. Something is wrong with me. And so I pushed for an ultrasound. Guess what? I knew it. And so this is a lesson to anyone is trust your gut. Like literally I had to trust my gut, <laughs> trust your gut. If you feel like something is wrong, keep fighting, like keep like demand, demand, whatever it is that needs to be done to figure out what it is. Right. Yeah. Lo and behold, it was diastasis recti. I knew something was wrong with me. And the severity, like I said, is what made it so rare. And then after that, it was just, okay, what do we do to fix it? But I mean, I know that I'm, I don't want to say that I'm being nonchalant about it right now, but it was, it was hard. Like they, like it was a tough time. Mm -hmm. It was so tough. Like I fell into such a dark, dark hole that I had never been in my entire life. Mm -hmm. And I have a newborn that I I'm now responsible for. And I will tell you in that moment, this was the last thing that I wanted 
all of this was not what I wanted because of just all the extra health issues that I had to go through that I went through. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's hard enough being a mom when you're healthy and everything goes according to plan, then add on all this other stuff mm -hmm. on top of how difficult it is to be a new mom, a, a, a mom to a newborn. Mm -hmm. I mean, I just, yeah, it was, it was so tough. It was so tough. And and so I, I just remember when I finally pulled myself out and I said, okay, I, I have to do something. I can't just, cause I have a choice here. Mm -hmm. I'm either going to continue to suffer, but if I continue to suffer, what does that look like? I'm not going to have a good quality of life because I can't walk like, you know, so things were a, lot, a little bit more dire for me. It's not like, you know, and I don't want to say, you know, discredit anybody's suffering. Cause again, like I said, it's personal and it's very real, but in my moment, I'm like, Hey, it's time is of the essence here because if I don't figure out what to do here, I'm not going to be able to walk in six months. How am I supposed to go back to work? How am I supposed to, you know, so there's a lot of things at stake here that required me to get better. Mm -hmm. and, and that's where, you know, the help came in that you talked about that. I couldn't do it on my own. Absolutely not. I didn't know what to do. Mm -hmm. um, surgery was an option, but I, I mean, I'm like, I just had my stomach cut open um, for to pull the baby out. I'm no, absolutely not. I'm not going to get surgery. Like that is absolutely like, absolutely not. Yeah. It has to be something else. I just delivered a baby. This is a routine. Like what is wrong? Like, you know what I mean? Does every woman get surgery after she has a baby? Like what's happening here? And so um, I ended up finding a specialist and um, she, and I tell her this all the time, we're actually really good friends now. So that friendship blossomed, you know, again, the unexpected things in life that can happen that are so wonderful. And um, she really helped give me my life back. Uh, mind you, I put in a lot of work. Obviously, yeah. I, I did the work myself, but I had the guidance. And sometimes, yeah, you don't be afraid to go and and seek the help to help you. I know that women are known just inherently to just say, we'll just do it ourselves and we will just suffer in silence. And I am definitely, uh, I have done that many times, mm -hmm. but I realize now not only talking about it helps, it helps such a great deal mm -hmm. because you never know who else is going through something. And it doesn't have to be what you're going through because all it has to be is you suffered. I've suffered. You've overcome it. I can overcome it. Yeah. It can still be relatable no matter what, even if, you know, people listening or watching haven't gone through DR or a uh, postpartum issues or challenges mm -hmm. can still pull something out of my challenges and my story. And I know that because of all the women that came up to me after the We Do conference who didn't go through what I did, but were like, okay, that resonated with me. That resonated, you know? And so I've discovered that just by being vulnerable, right place, right time, and, and opening and talking about things that you've gone through and have overcome, um, although not easy, but still completely possible, how it can help others too. And um, not just that, not just the talking about it, but enlisting people to help you along the way, because you can't always do it by yourself. And why, why do it by yourself when you can find others who can help you, right? Yeah. And like you said, trusting your gut, like finding out that, you know, they wanted to just perform a surgery on you and you being like, ah, uh, what? Uh, that doesn't feel right for me. I'm going to look for other options. And then finding this person who has helped you take all the steps to, to healing yourself without the surgery. Um, I think women really do need to trust their intuition more. And I hope that um, at the very least, if the one thing people take away from this I hope that it's that they should trust their intuition and that women, especially new mothers, really do have a lot of natural instincts going on in them and they really need to listen to them. 
And, um, and yeah, you're just such an inspiration, Kathy, your story. I don't know, this is probably just a fraction of the stories you could have shared with us in this time. And I would love to have you back on the podcast another time to, to hear more of your stories. Um, but yeah, way to go for just being someone who chases their dreams relentlessly and who um, has probably just made your parents so incredibly proud in the process. And, um, and yeah, say hi to them from me. I would love to meet them someday. They just seem like such fantastic people. And um, you're a little guy. He's a lucky little man to have you as a mom. Oh, thank you. Yes. No, he obviously made everything worth it. <laughs> but I hope one day um, when he hears the story of what his mom went through, that he could be inspired by it as well to know that, you know, it wasn't easy, but it's still, she's still, she still fought and, you know, yeah. not just the postpartum stuff, but just, you know, my career, following your dreams, working hard, achieving the things that you want, you know, cause again, I want to stress the hard work. Yes. It's going to take work, nothing worth it in life or nothing that you really want, you know, comes easy, no matter what it is. It doesn't matter if it's health issues health challenges, career challenges, career goals, health goals, whatever it may be, you know, yeah. it, it's going to take some work. But remember my mantra, one foot in front of the other. I always yeah. say that. And I it just, especially during this postpartum period and getting to where I'm at now. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Like every day, one step forward. And then, you know, you look back on the year and you go, holy smokes, that was, yeah. that was a mountain. You know what I mean? So so, yeah. so where can people find um, these documentaries that you've produced? Where is the best place to stay connected with you? Yeah. So to stay connected with me, I'm I'm active on LinkedIn. So look me up, K-A-T-H-Y space L-E, Kathy Lee. I'm sure you could just go, you know, Google up Kathy Lee CTV LinkedIn, yeah. Kathy Lee CTV uh, Instagram. So those are the two that I, I, I am more um, active than the other. I try to have my, my space. Um, you know, and just like, because I don't think we do it enough to have a break from social media and just be present and right. Um, and then if people are interested in watching the documentaries, I definitely watched the last one that I did uh, investigation into EMS. Just go CTV Kathy Lee, um, Google up documentaries, Google up EMS documentary, Google up um, the other ones I've done, Asian Hate. But if you just look up my name and attach it to CTV and say documentary or something, something will pop up. Okay. We'll link, we'll link to a couple of them in the show notes for sure. We'll find, oh, sure. We'll find a couple of them and, um, and link to them in the show notes to make it easier for people. So sure. Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I can even send you them and then yeah. let, how about I send them to you? Yes, please. Thank you. That'd be awesome. fantastic. Awesome. All right. Well, you have a great rest of your day and a wonderful holiday season with your family. And, uh, yeah, thanks again for taking the time to share, share some of your stories with us today. And, uh, yeah, I just look forward to seeing what kind of things you get up to next. And just I'm really glad that we're connected now. And I hope to see you again in person in Calgary at an event or something. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me, Lindsay. Have a Merry Christmas and uh, a happy holidays with your family as well. Thank you. Okay. Bye.